Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and go with me to Psalm chapter 19. You may be seated, the book of Psalm in chapter number 19 this evening. And here in the middle of the week, we are taking our time going through the book of Psalms together. We're in a series for the next three or four weeks called Psalms of Summer. And so we're just taking the summer, we're looking at these particular psalms, and we want to encourage you tonight, we're foregoing our prayer time here in the middle of the week, because we want to encourage you to take time at the end of the service for the, uh, for the fellowship with ices and ice cream and popsicles, and I don't know what tonight is, I'm looking around for some help. What is it tonight, Katarina? Popsicles tonight, all right, even better, all right, so get a popsicle tonight, and that's going to be served in the north lot, and we want to encourage you to hang out and fellowship Find good encouragement in this way. So we're uh, kind of fast-forwarding our service just a little bit in order to give us more time to do that. So Psalm chapter 19 is where we are here this evening. Psalm chapter 19. Look at the first verse. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. He is going forth from the end of of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. So he's talking about how God has set the sun on a course and how the sun runs its course according to his own plan, according to his own way, and that there is there's nothing that can happen that will prevent the sun from running the course that God has set for it, and this is a testimony to the greatness of God. How many of you today, you had a good day? Let me see, you had a good day? How many of you today, you had a mediocre day? Wasn't good, wasn't bad, just a day. Okay, how many of you had a bad day? Let's see, you had a bad day, it's okay. You're gonna have a bad day, okay. Good days, bad days, doesn't matter. Guess what the sun did for everybody today? I was stuck in the gym today with boys and girls for, for the entire day, teaching them how to dribble the basketball, okay? That was a bad day for me, all right, it's a bad day. Some of your kids were up there, by the way. Doesn't matter whether good day, bad day, mediocre day, guess what the sun did? It rose. Now, I don't know how, this, I don't know how your day will end. I don't know how your day will end, but this is what I do know. You know what will happen by the end of the day today? The sun will set. And, and what the psalmist is saying is the heaven, the heavens, the space, the atmosphere, nature, it is declaring to us the glory of God. Look at the verse verse. Look at verse number one. The heavens declare the glory of God. So ask yourself a question this, this evening. What does it mean to declare? What does it mean to declare? If we said you were supposed to declare some message or some news tomorrow at work, what would that mean? This is what the heavens are doing. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. Notice the firmament, the earth, its, its courses, its patterns, its law. It showeth his handiwork. 
Now notice everything he's saying about what nature is doing. Nature then is day unto day uttering speech. Night unto night it's showing knowledge. So there's no one left in the world who has the excuse that God has not revealed himself to them. No, God has revealed himself to all men. God has declared his glory, his handiwork, his love, his patience, his creative design, his goodness. God has declared and showed himself to all men everywhere. Notice verse 3. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The voice of what? The voice of the glory of God. The voice of his handiwork. There's no language. There's no continent. There's no people group that cannot look out into creation and know that there is a God who has created. That there is a God who is faithful. That there is a God who is loving. That there is a God who is patient. Bill Clem was one of Major League's most well-known umpires. He stood behind home plate for a number of very big and important games. Bill Clem, though, as an umpire, was someone who took full authority inside of the game. You knew if Bill Clem was the umpire, he was in charge of everything that mattered. And it didn't didn't matter. If you gave him a cross look, if you thought it was a strike and he called a ball, he wasn't putting up with any of it. He was the authority on the field. One particular game, ninth inning, critical game, the batter hit the ball to left field. The runner breaks for home plate, potential winning run. As the runner makes for home plate, the left fielder takes the ball off a hop, throws the ball to home plate. At the same time the runner is arriving at home, the ball arrives, the runner and the catcher, they make a collision. The umpire, Bill Clem himself, gets knocked to the ground in the middle of the decision. Everyone is waiting for the call. Half the fans are screaming, he's out. The other half of the fans are screaming, he's safe. This dugout saying, he's out. That dugout saying, he's safe. Everyone's divided. And in the middle of all the confusion, Bill Clem stands up, looks at the stands, looks at the dugouts, looks at the opposing players, and he says, he ain't nothing until I've called it. And then he called him out. And in the same way, this is what's happening in this psalm. God is the authority. And what God says goes. We live in a day of moral and spiritual confusion. And people say, well, I can live like this. Other people say, I can live like that. Some people say, this is what you have to do. Other people say, no, this is what you have to do. And what we need in a time of confusion is not simple speculation, what we need in a time of confusion is a sure word of authority. And what David is saying in Psalms 19 is, God 
has spoken. He has given us his sure word. You can know what God has to say to you. Now notice there's three ways. Notice, God has revealed himself, the first one, in nature. God has revealed himself in nature. The psalmist is saying in verse 1 to verse 6 that God has spoken in his creation so that all of creation testifies of God. It speaks of him. It speaks of his wisdom. It speaks of his greatness. It speaks of his patience. It speaks of his love. It speaks of God. It speaks of God's faithfulness. So you can look out into creation and you can see the way in which God has designed the world and you can with confidence know that God has spoken. Creation itself. Notice what he says. Day unto day. Notice what he says. Night unto night. Day unto day. Night unto night. Creation gets up and does its job. The laws of nature do their job. Catch this. Without complaint. With, with, there's no begrudging. They do the job that, cre that the creator God has given them to do. And they do it gladly. They do it with joy. They do it faithfully. Notice verse 4. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words unto the end of the world. Not just that, but notice. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like the bridegroom coming out of, the, of his chamber. And notice, rejoicing. The sun, when it rises, it, ri it rises with joy. Now, when you see the sunrise, you might not have joy. I might not have joy. But the sun rises with joy. We see the sunrise and we think what? Oh, already? I just fell asleep, right? We see the sunrise we think, oh, I've got so much ahead of me today. I don't want to even face it. Oh, I've got so many problems I've got to deal with. The sun rises with joy. Think of this. For for. 4,000, 5,000, almost 5,000 years of human history, the sun has rose every day. It has set every day. It has done the same job every day. What is he saying? Without complaint. The sun does this with rejoicing. It's like, um, have you ever taken your kid picked your kid up in the air and thrown him up in the air? How many have ever done this before when your kids were little, perhaps? You threw your kid up in the air and you catch him, and you threw your kid up in the air and you catch him, right? And, and they have so much fun. And it's fun for you at first, right? You kind of enjoy it. You enjoy the smile that they have. You, you enjoy seeing this, this panic and then, and then relaxing and then panic and then relaxing. Right? You do this four or five times and it's fun. They laugh. And then what happens when you put your kid down? As soon as you put him down, what do they say? Again. Again, they never get tired of it. Have you ever noticed that? Your, your kid is never going, oh, you know what? I'm tired of just having fun with you today, okay? I'm just going to sit down. No, no, no. Who gets tired? We get tired. Right? We're the ones who go, please, no more. 
I want to quit. I'm tired of doing this. It's not fun for me. This is what he's saying. There's this rejoicing that is happening in the creation that God has made day after day, night after night, year after year. Their line has gone through the entire earth and it's never been exhausted. It's never done its job grumpy. Man, what a challenge that is for you and for me. Notice this, that's not all, but watch this. He says, verse 6, His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. In other words, creation spins. Creation moves, and it does its job faithfully, without complaint. This testifies of our great God. And everything is in its place. Everything is right where it belongs. And where does it belong? Right where God told it to go. Imagine if gravity decided it wanted to be upside down. It didn't like, it didn't like holding you down to the earth. It wanted to hold you to the ceiling. So imagine just one day gravity says, you know what? I'm going to keep you upside down today. It's never happened. It's right where God tells it to be. It goes right where God instructs it to go. You get to the New Testament, Paul writes on this same idea. And Paul says that by him, by Christ, all things consist. So you know what that means? It literally means everything is held into place by God. He's holding it all in place. And if he so chose, he'd let it go and we'd go spinning out into chaos. That's where we'd go. We'd go spinning off of this globe. What keeps us held here? God. Everything is right where it belongs. All of this speaks to the greatness of who our God is. It's declaring, that's what it's saying. It's declaring the glory of God. So here's what he says. God has spoken. God has spoken to every person who has ever lived. God has not left himself without a witness. Even if Christians will not testify of God, the psalmist says, even the rocks, they cry out. Even space, time, the sun, clouds, waves, the laws of nature, even these things testify. They declare, they speak about the greatness of God. But that is not all. God revealed himself in nature. But notice verse 7. God has revealed himself in his word. God revealed himself in nature. God revealed himself in his word. Look at verse number seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They're righteous altogether. They're more to be desired are they, the word of God, than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Are you, 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 are you more excited about the word of God or you're more excited about finding gold? That's a convicting thought. The psalmist is saying, God's word, to me, God's word is better than treasure. God's word is my treasure. 
Notice what he says. It's not, it's, he doesn't just treasure it. It's actually sweet to him. It's delightful. Notice what he says. Sweeter also than honey to the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, by the word of God, the servant, moreover by them is thy servant warned. And in the keeping of them, there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from my secret faults and keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. And let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. You see what he's telling us about God's word? Four ideas here. Or three ideas, rather. Write them down. Here's the first one. God's word restores. That's verse 7 and verse 8. It's perfect. Notice this. Converting. Converting the soul. It's testimony assured. Notice this. Making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. They rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It enlightens the eyes. So it restores, it rejoices, it enlightens. In other words, God's, God's word is not some arbitrary set of rules that are, uh, that are to, to, to our burden. God, God's word is not given to us as this list of rules that we have to follow and we have to follow them and it ruins all the fun that we really wanted to have. No, 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 no. God's word is like, it's like an owner's manual. It, it shows us the best way for which our human machinery that God has made, that God has created, God's word shows us the proper and best way to use the machinery that he has given to us. And oftentimes, the the. The, the, the reason why we feel the brokenness or the sting of sin or the shame or the guilt of sin or the regret of sin, oftentimes the reason we feel these things in our lives is because we've rebelled against the design that God has given to us in his word and we've decided that we knew better on how to use what God gave us than following, his own, than following what he has revealed to us through the scriptures. And God's word restores, it restores us. It's not just it, the law restores, the law illuminates. Notice it makes wise the simple. Makes wise the simple. The, the, the purpose of God's word is to wake us up to the true nature of things. It's to wake us up to the way it really is. Intelligence does not produce wisdom. Wisdom comes from God alone. Remember how Solomon begins his, his Proverbs? The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Say, well, I'm not for sure what to do with this or what to do with that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I said this a this, uh, few weeks ago to a man who had visited the church. He said, I'm not for sure what I'm to do. I'm not for sure where to begin. I said, here's it's my advice to you. Do the, do, make the next thing you do the right thing. You can't change anything you've already done. What you've done has already been done. 
but make the next thing you do, make the next thing the right thing. He said, yeah, that's good, that's good advice. That's the advice I need. The next thing is the right thing. He goes, yeah, that's good. He goes to leave, and he turns around and said, what if I don't know the right thing? I said, that's a really good question, actually. The Bible tells you how to find out what the right thing is. The fear of the Lord is the, listen to it, beginning of wisdom. So when you come to make a decision, this is, this is, how, I, this is how I make decisions in my life. When, it's, when I've come to make a decision, I've got to make a choice. So I'm going to do this or that. And we're not talking about something morally evil. We're not talking about something that's against the word of the law of God. Here's just two choices to make. So it's not sin, it's not wrong, it's not morally evil. You don't, you don't have to decide if God wants you to tell a lie. He's already told you not to tell a lie. You don't have to decide if God wants you to steal. He's already told you you can't steal. So that's out of the question. So I had two choices, steal or not steal. I didn't know which one to do. No, he's already told you don't do this one. We're talking about, we're talking about something that's it's not morally wrong. It's not a violation of the, of, the, of the revealed will of God. So here I'm trying to make a, a choice. Which one should I make? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, okay, so if I'm going to make this decision, am I ready in making this decision, am I ready the moment after I make it to stand in front of God and to give a full answer for why I chose that? That, that's, the, that's the proper understanding of fear of the Lord. Am I ready after I, after I choose A? After I choose A, am I ready if in that moment God called me right to heaven and I stood in front of him and he said, why did you choose A? Am I ready with a clean conscience to answer to him for why I made that choice? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when we start making decisions by thinking, okay, I'm ready to answer to God for this. Not, not presumptuously, he talks about that. So not presumptuously, not arrogantly, not haughty. I'm ready to answer to God. I got some questions for God. God's going to be the one answering to me. No. If that's what you think, then you've not spent any time at all in the Bible. You know what? Everyone who, when they see God, you know what they do? They immediately hit the ground. The angels, the seraphims, the, the, the greatest creative being in the Bible is a seraphim. The archangels and seraphim, so seraphim would be second. The seraphims circle the throne of God all day. They have six wings, the Bible teaches us. Six wings. With two wings, they fly. With two wings, they cover their face. And with two wings, they cover their feet. The feet symbolic of, the, of, of dirt, of uncleanness. Remember, remember, the, remember the Last Supper? Jesus washes the disciples what? He washes their feet. That's where we're headed this weekend. That's why it's on my mind. He washes their feet. It's a, it's a symbol of cleaning it. That's the, that's the worst part of a person, the feet. I, I, I mean, I shake your hand. I'll even help you wash your hands if you need help. But I'm not touching your feet, right? So they, they cover their feet. It's a symbol. They cover their uncleanness. With two wings, they fly. That's how they circle the throne of God. And with two wings, they cover their face. Why? Because of who God is. Because the greatness of God. So if you think, well, I've got questions for God. Well, then you don't know who God is. You've not spent any time studying this word. 
Studying this book. Remember Job? Job's friends come along the way. Job, you should ask God these questions. You should ask God why these things are happening to you. Remember this? God comes along to Job, picks up Job and says, stand up like a man. You got something to say to me? Say to me. And Job says, no, no, no. I'm covering my mouth. With my two hands, I cover my mouth. I have absolutely nothing to say now that you're here. I have nothing to say. The fear of the Lord is beginning with this understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God's word illuminates. It leads us in the way that we ought to go. Wisdom, according to the Bible, begins. doesn't end here. It begins by saying, okay, if I push A, if I choose A, and I would have to answer to God for it immediately after I pushed it or chose it, am I ready for that? Is my conscience clear? This is what you want to know. Is my conscience clear? My mom used to always say it like this. She'd say, if it's in doubt, David, if it's in doubt, leave it out. That's how she always say, Dave, Dave, it's if in doubt. Well, she called me Davy. She didn't call me David. She called me Davy, but you don't get to do that, okay? She said, Davy, if it's in doubt, leave it out. Leave it out. So, is there something in my conscience that convicts me of doing this? It's not a violation of the word of God. There's nothing in my conscience that convicts me of doing this. Okay, it's another way I make my... Have I asked other people about this? Who have I asked? Who have I called? Have I gotten any counsel? Or am I just making this decision because I want to make the decision? Have I, have I subjected this decision to thorough counsel? Which would include spiritual authorities, parents, loved ones... People with more experience, perhaps, in a particular area than you? Have I subjected this to, to counsel? Have I said, please, tell me what you think about this decision? And have I given them a green light to, to actually give me input? You know how many times somebody comes to my office, and they say, I, I'd like to schedule a counseling appointment with you. I'm like, oh, great, come on in. They come in the office, they go, I think I'm going to do this. I, I actually, I've already decided I'm going to do this, and God really wants me to do it, and I'm just, I'm just here to, to just inform you of what I'm already doing. Not subjecting themselves or their opinion to it. More times than not, this is exactly the counsel someone's looking for. Here's the decision I made. I'm just here to tell you about it. Here's how, here's how that conversation normally goes. Well, praise the Lord. I'm, I hope you got good counsel. And I, hope you, I hope you talked to your parents about that. I hope you talked to your counselors about that. Let me pray with you about this decision. And you know, it's always funny because people go out of my office. and they, After that happens, they go out of my office and go, well, we got counsel from the pastor about it. No, no, you didn't get counsel. You informed me of the decision you were already making. You, you came in with your decision made. You already pushed the button A. No, no, this is, not, this is not the way in which a spiritual decision is made according to the scriptures. The way in which a spiritual decision is made according to the scripture. Fear of God. Is it a violation of scripture? Then no. Is my conscience clean in making the decision? Have I subjected this decision to good, godly counsel? Not am I asking what everyone's opinion is. I'm not putting a Facebook poll up. That's not how we get good counsel. But we're finding a handful of people who, are expert, who, are, who are, have expertise in this particular area or who, are, who have great maturity that they've showed in this particular area and we're subjecting ourselves to them in this way. And then, what are we doing? Then we got to make the decision. Then we got to make the decision. 
And in making the decision, the Bible says this. The Bible says that there has been a peace that passeth all understanding. Remember we started with the story of Bill Clem? How many of you know when Bill Clem said, you're out, half the people went, what? Why'd you call him out? You made the wrong decision. No, the, the, you're never going to please everyone. You try to be a pleaser of everyone and you'll please no one. You try to please everyone, you'll please no one. Here's a better solution. Please God. Please God. And if you live to please God, then you will please all of those who walk with God. You know who you'll offend? If you, if you live to please God, you know who you'll offend? People who don't walk with God. We've said this over and over. Six years. Can you believe that? Six years last Sunday, a man and I have been here at First Baptist. Man, time flies, except COVID. That, that went really slow. Other than COVID, time flies. When you're having fun, that's what they say. Six years, that fast, right? Six years, that fast. And in six years, we've said this over and over again, and reminding you it again tonight. Spiritual people handle things spiritually. That's the litmus test. If you ask somebody on the way out tonight, if you said, are you spiritual? You know what they're going to tell you? Yes. Of course. Of course they're going to say they're spiritual. Everyone thinks they're spiritual. But the litmus test, the way you actually know if you're spiritual is you do things, you handle things spiritually. You handle things the way that God's word tells us to. So spiritual people do spiritual things. Unspiritual people do unspiritual things. Spiritually mature people handle themselves spiritually mature. Spiritually immature people handle things in a spiritually immature way. This is, it's the test. It's revealing to them. So if you're making your decision with spiritual maturity by saying, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not scripturally wrong. I have a clear conscience. I've gotten wisdom. I've gotten advice. I've gotten counsel. I feel like it's been true heart-searching counsel. I haven't simply offered what I already want to do. But I actually laid my plans down and said, tell me if I'm making the wrong choice. Then you make your choice. And spiritual people will handle that situation spiritually. Spiritually mature people will handle that with spiritual maturity. This is to say that they'll always like it. It isn't to say that they'll be happy over the moon over it. It's simply to say they'll handle it the right way because they are spiritually mature. But you cannot make every decision you've ever made to please somebody else. Or you'll please no one. Please God. Please God and live with the fear of the Lord. The law restores, the law illuminates, the law protects. That's what he's saying in verse 11. Moreover by them is thy servant warned. We talked about a warning this weekend on Sunday night. Warnings in the Bible are very serious things. Warnings in the Bible, they're, they're meant to startle you. 
It's meant to shake you. People are to pay attention to what you're doing. It's meant to warn you. Sin is not something you play with. Sin is not something you can control. It's like bringing a live tiger into your home thinking you can control it. You cannot control it. It will destroy you. So moreover, by them, by your word, thy servant is warned. And in the keeping of them, there's great reward. So there, there's, there's actually a blessing that comes from following the word of God. Verse 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Notice, notice what verse 13 says. Keep thy servant back from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright and I shall do everything perfect. Is that what it says? Yes or no? Okay, if yours says that, you have the wrong Bible, okay? Christians aren't perfect people. Christians are forgiven people. There's a difference. You understand the difference? Christians aren't perfect. They're forgiven. This is, this is essentially what he's saying. He's saying, I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Why? Because I'm putting myself at the mercy of a great and almighty God who is loving, who is patient, who is faithful, who is gracious, and who is showing these things every day. So the law of God protects. The law of God illuminates. The law of God restores. Let me give, it, give you this last one. Notice, God is revealed in me then. So look at verse 14. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Notice what he says. Look, look at the contrast. I told you, if you want to know, if you want to understand the basic understanding of a psalm, you look at the first verse, you look at the last verse. Generally, whatever the theme of that psalm is, is found in those two verses. So what's similar between verse 1 and verse 14? Notice, the heavens declare. The, the, the firmament showeth handiwork. Look at verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. So God's creation declares something about God's character, about who God is. I wonder this. What do the words that I use today declare about God? That's what he's saying. Nature says something about God. What do you say about God? All day today, the sun was declaring to all of the world the greatness, the power, the might, the omniscience of God. What were you declaring today? What were you declaring with your mouth? Notice, what were you thinking about in your heart? And let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. That's one of those verses that oftentimes we read just because it's very familiar to us. It's a, it's a refrigerator verse, right? It's one of the ones you get in a calendar. It has a nice ring to it, but it's actually very convicting. 
It's actually, that's actually a very convicting verse. Here's the conviction. The meditation of my heart, while it isn't seen by you, it's seen by him. I wonder if that's acceptable to him. I think we're all old enough, wise enough to understand this. Now, there are some things that we've meditated on in our hearts that wouldn't be acceptable to the person sitting next to us. You wouldn't want your husband or wife to know that thought in your heart. We'd be embarrassed if somebody in the church found out what we were thinking about. We'd be humiliated. And doesn't that speak to something about how we live for the approval of others more than the approval of God? That we would be more cautious about someone else finding out what we are thinking in our hearts and not give any time at all to the great reality that God knows what's in your heart. God knows what's in your heart. And the psalmist is saying, I want what's in my heart to be acceptable to God. Not just acceptable to the people around me. But I want it to be acceptable to God. So God revealed in me. Isn't that something? Isn't it something that the God of the universe didn't just reveal himself in the universe, but he decided to reveal himself in us. You think about the mountains. I, I, I enjoy driving the 710 on the way home and seeing the mountains on a clear day. It has to be a clear day, but seeing the mountains on a clear day over here. You think about how they testify of the greatness and the goodness of our God, but think about this. The mountains have stood here for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and they've testified to the greatness of our God, but never one time has any of these mountains ever opened their mouth and told the story of Jesus? That's a job that God has given to us. God reserved the privilege of telling people about Jesus for you and for me. And I wonder if you use your words when you use your words, are you telling people about Jesus? That's how the psalmist ends. And what a great ending to how God has revealed himself in the world.